So, Ephesians 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Well, okay, thank you. Verse 9, not of your works, lest any man should boast. And verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Y'all, y'all didn't hear, hear what I just read. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, we're going to turn to one more verse before we get going. Acts 11. Acts 11. All right, don't get too out of control with it where we can keep the peace and focus here. You know, if it's really good too, you can say, so I'll sucky sucky now. Shucky duck quack quack. All right, Acts 11 and verse 26. Everybody there? Say, you get between me and my makeup. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a good try, Mike, but it was a little too quick, a little too white on it. All right, let's try it again. Okay, I'm sorry, but it was just a little too fast when you said it. I had to say it. Okay, so next time we're going to do it a little bit slower. So verse 26, or verse 25, let's start. Then Barnabas, name your kid Barnabas. Now that is a name to name your child. Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. In verse 26, and we, when he had found him, he brought, to, brought him to Antioch. So it was that a whole year they assembled with the church and taught great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Can I get amen? Can I get a Presbyterian cough? Can I get a... No, it's really, it's a it's a Baptist nod. Can I get a Baptist nod? Okay. Can I get a Catholic belch? I don't know. <laughs> what what do they got for Catholics? Hosh, you should know what the Catholics do. So, what? They kneel? All right, go go ahead and just Tebow some of you guys right now. Go ahead and kneel. Charles, kneel before me, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. We're going to be here a while tonight if this is the rate that we're going already. So, um, title of my message is, What is a Christian? Look at your neighbor and say, What is a Christian? And uh, if you're taking notes, which you should, if you want to go to heaven. So, I mean, it's just an option. If you don't, then don't. But... If you'd like to go to heaven and like to keep your salvation, then you should probably take notes because that would help. So, it's what is a Christian, but under that, the really under title or second, secondary title is stop trying and just be one. So, tonight we're going to be talking about what is a Christian and some of the things I'm going to say are going to be very basic and very simple, but you need to know this because it's not... Uh, important just to know what you believe but why you believe it hello can I get amen especially as young people you need to know what you believe but not just that but why you believe because if you don't know why you believe it somebody can talk you out of it like a smart professor like somebody at school that thinks they know everything because they read one philosophy book so you need to know why you believe what you believe and we're dealing with a very basic question what is a Christian and the reason I want to answer that question tonight and probably for a couple weeks is because a lot of so-called Christians don't even know what a Christian is. A lot of religious people don't know what a Christian is. A lot of people in the world don't even really know what a Christian is. They have their opinions, but it's not based on the Bible. And so we're going to talk to you from the Bible because that's all that matters. And we're going to tell you what the Bible says about what a Christian is and what it is not. Because religion and the world and people that think they know a lot have told us what Christians are, and a lot of times it has nothing to do with what the Bible says. And a lot of people believe stuff, and they think it's in the Bible, and it's not even there. So we're going to deal with that question, what is 
a Christian. And so, realize here in verse Acts 11, you guys still there? Acts 11 and verse 27, this is uh, when the first... uh, really the first disciples of Jesus or the early church were meeting together. This is really the first mentioned of the name Christians. And really up to this point, they would call uh, people that believed in Jesus followers of Jesus or followers of the way. Uh, They called them different things, Christ followers. They called them a lot of different names, but this is the first time they mentioned the word Christian. And so it says... And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was a whole year they assembled with the church and taught great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And realize this, the word Christian is only mentioned three times in the Bible. I don't know if that's a shocker or not to you, but it's only mentioned three times. And so realize the importance is not the name Christian, it's what it really means behind it. Because, like I said, uh, the view of what a Christian is 2,000 years ago and what a view of a Christian is today is completely different. And so when you say Christian, people already have preconceived ideas and stereotypes in their head already before you even get to finishing what you're about to say because they have their ideas what a Christian is and what it isn't. So realize this. Like I said, the, the word actually Christian is only three times in the Bible, and it refers here... It says it was first said that they called them Christians in Antioch. And really, the name Christian really means, this is where the note-taking comes in, to be Christ-like or a follower of Christ. To be Christ-like or a follower of Christ. Now, one of the other definitions of a Christian, what it really means is an anointed one. Because we know the word Christ means the anointed one. And realize this, in the early church, the early disciples, when they were walking around, when they were praying for people, when they were preaching, when they were healing the sick, when they were raising the dead, people started calling them Christians because they realized the anointing of God was upon them just like it was upon Jesus. That's why they started calling them Christians because they said, you guys are anointed ones just like the anointed one, Jesus. You guys are following after him and you're walking in that same anointing, that same power that he walked in. So how many know it's right that we be walking in the same power and the same authority that Jesus walked in? Because why? We have the same Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. So the word Christian means to be Christ-like in your actions and what you do and who you are, or to be a follower of Christ or Jesus Christ, to be an anointed one. You're not the anointed one, but you're one of His anointed ones because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. This is interesting. One of the the things it said the the end of the word Christian it means to belong to the same party as so really they associated these people with Jesus because they walked in the same power they walked in the same authority they preached the same message that Jesus did so when they saw them that's why they called them Christians because they said you guys are with the same party as Jesus you guys walk like he walked you guys talk like he talked and you live like he lived on the earth that's why you're a Christian we realize today, Christian doesn't mean anything like that. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people that go to church, and none of that reflects in their life or their lifestyle, does it? And, <laughs> well, that's true. So realize this, a Christian during that period of time, this is, this is about 2,000 some years ago when, when they were calling them Christians, Realize in that period of time, it was a very respected thing. It was a very honorable thing to be called a Christian. When people called you a Christian, it meant something. It was a thing you could take pride in, you could be proud of. But how many know there's a lot of people, they don't even want to be called Christians, even though they believe in Jesus, because they don't want to be associated with everybody else that's with them. Hey, I felt like that before. I didn't want to mention that I'm a Christian, because there's a lot of weirdos that say they're Christians, and they're nothing like Christ. Isn't that true? And so realize in that period of time, it was very respected, very honorable to be called a Christian. And we know today our culture, it's not so much an honorable thing or respected thing to be called a Christian, is it? How I many know when you say you're a Christian on your job, everybody's not like, yay, you're awesome, I love you. Oh, I've been praying for more Christians here. You always don't get that greeting, do you? How I many know in your philosophy or religion class, when you say you're a Christian, your pro- professor doesn't jump for joy. Are you going to shout me down? 
You get in between me and my makeup right now. I feel that. You know how your professor does not jump for joy that you're a Christian? And how many know it's weird that all the religion and philosophy professors have an attitude towards Christians, but they like all the rest of the world religions? Why? Because they're false and Christ is real. Hello, somebody. Is that easy? Why do you have such a hatred towards Christians and none of the rest of the world religions? You love them. Why? Because they're serving false gods. And since Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and the only real way, that's why they have an attitude because the enemy is against the truth. He didn't care if you believe a lie. That's why all these world religions, everybody loves them. Let me love on a Muslim. Let me love on a Buddhist. You know, let me love on a good atheist any day. But when you say a Christian, people get upset. Why? Because the enemy doesn't like truth. Now, here is some... You guys still here? You didn't go go home, did you? All right. So, here's some things I wrote down that the culture says... When you say, well, what is a Christian? Or what's your first thoughts when you think about a Christian? These are some things that unbelievers and even some church people would say, this is what a Christian is. You guys ready for these? Don't be offended by any of these, but we're talking real talk tonight. It's Real Talk Thursday night. Hello, somebody. And we got to deal with this as the church and as believers in Jesus because these are real stereotypes that people think of when you mention the word Christian. That's why they don't want to be a Christian. Because this is the stereotypes they think when they hear the word Christian. Now, how many know a stereotype? It's slightly off, but there's partial truth in stereotypes. That's why they're funny. When people stereotype different people, whether they be right, wrong, or indifferent, there's partial truth in what they're saying. That's why it's funny. And that's the thing with these things I'm about to say. They're stereotypes. They're not all completely true, but a lot of it is kind of true. That's why it's funny. So, first of all, as a Christian, this is what people think when you say Christian. Intolerant. Hateful. How many know, have, well, I'm not going to say your friends, but how many have known hateful Christians? Raise your hand. Okay, that kind of doesn't make sense, does it? Okay. Jesus Christ, which is love, because God is love, and he is God in the flesh. And then his followers are hateful. I don't see how that makes sense whatsoever, because God has, he doesn't have hate in him. He, he is love. And if anybody walked in love, it was Jesus. So if you say you're a Christian, you should walk in love. There should be no hatred in you whatsoever. Even people you disagree with, there should be no hatred for them. That doesn't mean you have to agree with what they're saying, but you can still be respectful and loving towards that person. And how many know, until you become like that to people, they're not going to listen to you. If you want to argue with everybody or be hateful towards everybody, the people that you're trying to reach are not going to listen to you. Because love wins them, not hate. And the Word of God says that they will know your Christians by your love. Not by your church services, not by your Bibles, not by your Christian bumper stickers, not by your cross around your neck, not by your WWJD bracelet. They will know you're Christians by your love. So they'll know you're a Christian by the way you walk, not by the way you talk. Not by the shirt you wear, and not by, you know, the little fish on the back of your car. Or in case of a rapture, this car will be unmanned. They will not care about that if you don't walk in love so Christians hateful how about this judgmental how many, know, how many of you have known a judgmental Christian and that thing doesn't make any sense to me either it's like okay you just got saved because you couldn't help yourself and you couldn't save yourself but you're going to judge everybody else that just came from where you came from okay you would be just in bad shape if you didn't have Jesus hot shot okay so it makes no sense, but it's sad because a lot of Christians are judgmental. They're, they're some of the meanest people on the planet, and it's sad. Here's one. Christians are boring. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Isn't that true? A big stereotype in our culture is Christians are boring. Why? Because it's partially true. There's a lot of Christians that don't know how to have a good time. They're so religious, they're so legalistic, they're so just 
you know, brainwashed to religion. They're no fun. They're boring. They're not living the abundant life that Jesus called us to live. Here's one. Christians are out of touch. Christians are prideful. Christians are arrogant. <laughs> wow, Bruce, you got a you got a knee slap on that one. Christians are arrogant. How many know an arrogant Christian? That goes a lot with the judgmental, hateful, prideful. They're arrogant because they're saved now and they're slim, semi living right now, and they forget where they came from. So they're arrogant and they act like they're better than everybody. Okay. You're not better than everybody. Jesus came to die for all of us, not just you. And your Jesus is my co-pilot bumper sticker. So here's something. Christians are weird. How many know some weird Christians? Yeah, we all know some weird Christians. Some of them go to this church. (laughs) Some Some of them are sitting by you right now. I don't know if you realize that. Here's, here's a fun one. Christians are socially awkward. Is that not the truth? Christians are socially awkward. You guys still here? You guys having a good time over here, aren't you? What'd you say? Share it with us. Oh, Haas. Haas, he's growing out of that. He's growing out there. He's stepping up. Christians are socially awkward. Is that not true? How many know Christians who are socially awkward? Okay, some of you raising your hand are the people that we're talking about. No, I'm joking. All right, so realize this. In the movies we watch, in the books we read, and on, on TV... This is the way they always portray Christians. And in real life, a lot of Christians are actually like this. That's why people have so much attitudes towards Christians. They have so much uh, built up, you know, just aggression towards Christians because they think those are true things about Christians, which some are like that. And it's sad. But how many know the culture has fed that to us on an ongoing basis through movies, through books, through TV, that this is the way Christians are and nothing less. And th- there's, there's no other thing than, than this kind of a Christian. Which all these things have nothing to do with the Word of God and are nothing like what true followers of Christ should be like. So, you've got to realize this. How many know in, in most movies, in most TV shows, this is true, the Christian is usually nerdy. He's, he or she is usually very socially awkward, doesn't know how to talk to anybody. Usually he's the person who's always trying to uh, be judgmental and hateful towards people and telling everybody where they're wrong. Isn't that true? In mo- you know, they, they're the one at the high school or the college, wherever the, the show is based, is... They're the ones who, who never want to have any fun, who don't go to any of the parties, who rain on everybody's parade, is the Debbie Downer of the school. How many know that's true? In most TV, movie, books, that's the way they always portray the Christian to be. And so we wonder why when we say, hey, when we share our faith with somebody, or we talk about being a Christian, they think of that stereotype in their head, and they're saying, why would I want to be like that person? What is attractive about that whatsoever? Is that attractive to you? No. Socially awkward, boring, hateful, no fun, judgmental, the Debbie Downer, always negative, always talking about everybody going to hell, is out of touch with everything, has probably been, I'm going to step on some toes, probably been homeschooled. <laughs> it's the truth. Probably been homeschooled. It's the truth. Probably, probably played the left behind video game before a couple of times in their life. But how many know 
that is, that is what is portrayed in our culture so much, and so we wonder why people don't want to be a Christian. Realize that when you talk to people, when people greet you with uh, just anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-Christian, they're thinking that in their head a lot of times. Also this, if you ever see on the news station, every time they interview somebody who's a so-called Christian, they get the weirdest, wackiest, goofiest, strange person they can find. They don't get anybody normal that makes sense. They get the craziest snake handling, poison drinking, dude with like long hair and two teeth who just speaks in tongues to the CNN host the whole time to be the person who represents Christians, all Christians in the world, and Christ. And they're like, why would I want to be like this crazy man? Isn't that the truth? We got to deal with these stereotypes, people. So realize this, that's what the culture says a Christian is, and what it's partially true. That's why it's funny. You know, the the thing that I've really enjoyed, though, the past um, several years, there's been a lot of good examples, thank God, finally, that have showed up in the world that are Christians and are normal and that are affecting parts of society, like business people, and I said even a lot. There's been actors in Hollywood that are Christians and they're normal and they're right, and they they're not hiding from the world, but they're being in the world, but not of it. Hello, somebody. And there's people in music and that actually can do good music, and they're Christians for once. Come, okay, you know, most Christian music is lame. All right, eighty-eight point five is lame music. Eighty-eight point nine is lame music. Most of the groups on there are pathetic. Let me just say that. I know some of you listen to that station, but it's pathetic. You put it up against to some secular music, and it sounds like, you know, Roman and Judah made that in preschool. Okay? But thankfully, the past several years, there's been a lot of awesome people that love Jesus making actually good music for once. And, of course, we know there's all kinds of awesome praise and worship people, but not just people doing praise and worship, people doing every style of music, whether it be rap or rock, and their music is just as good as stuff you hear on secular radio, and they're making a good name for Jesus, and they're normal, and they're right Christians. And that's what God intended us to be in the world, but not of the world. Not hiding from the world, but going into our world, but not being like them. And being a representative of Christ to our world because we are the only representative on earth of Christ. His body, we're here to represent Him. I mean, the past several years, there's been good uh, examples in our sports with uh, Tim Tebow. Everybody knows Tim Tebow, Christ follower. There's been people like Jeremy Lin and, and Bubba Watson who won the Masters. People that love Jesus and are good at sports. People always thought that Christians don't play sports because they're nerdy and they think sports are of the devil. And they're not athletic. But realize, God has called those different individuals to be in sports and to bring Him glory through sports. And thankfully, now there's some actually good athletes that love Jesus. And people are like, oh, you can love Jesus and play sports and be normal? Yes. Because God has meant us to go into every part of culture, every part of society, every part of our world and reach the lost people. We're not all called to be in the church reaching people. Majority of you in here are not called to reach people here. You're not called to preach in the pulpit. Your pulpit is out there. Your pulpit is in sports or music or business or whatever you're called to do. That is where you have been called to represent Christ. Not in the church. Thank you. That is excellent. I'll see that in the offering time also. So realize that we've been called to be in the world but not of the world and represent him to our world. How many know those stereotypes are pretty right on, aren't they? A lot of Christian people don't want to talk about don't want to address it, but that is the truth. So number one, I got three points to share with you this evening. Real basic tonight, like I said, what is a Christian? First of all, being a Christian is about who you are, not what you do. Let me repeat that one more time. Being a Christian is about who you are, not what you do. See, a lot of the culture and even religious people that go to church, they think that I'm a Christian because I do this, this, and this. This makes me a Christian, but that doesn't make you a Christian. 
a lot of people, if you ask them, they'd say, well, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't sleep around, and I'm a pretty good person, so that means I'm a Christian, or that means I'm eligible for heaven. That's not true. That's not true. That's religion that's taught you, not the Bible. And a lot of, sim, or, or they think they're Christian people, will say that to you. You ask them, why are you a Christian? Why? Because they think Christianity is something you do. It's not something you are. But no, Christian is who you are, not what you do. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what Jesus has done. And you receiving by faith what he's done for you. So it's not what you do. It's about what he's done and you accepting that. And that makes you who you are so being a Christian is about who you are not what you do it's about internal heart transformation not external behavior modification I just said that yeah you want to say it again I'll say it again it's not about external behavior modification it's about an internal heart transformation somebody bless me I don't think you heard me Hoss did you hear me Hoss give me a Catholic kneel (laughs) So realize this, so many of our culture, culture think, I'm a Christian because I just do these certain things. I have external, I just change my behavior a little bit to, to act like this. And I, my, really, my heart's not changed. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be at church. I don't want to read my Bible. I really don't even want to serve God. But I'm going to do this so everybody will think I'm a Christian. Or maybe I can get to heaven by this. It's not true. And you're living far beneath what Jesus has provided. So he's not into behavior modification. Jesus came to bring you a heart transformation. Why? Because the way that Jesus changes you is he changes you from the inside out. That's the way God changes you. The culture knows change yourself from the outside in. But God's way is to change you from the inside out. So why? He's not into you changing your behavior. He's into changing your heart. Did anybody hear me on that? God's not into changing your behavior. He's into changing your heart. Why? Because when he changes your heart, your behavior will change. When he changes your insides, Bishop, your outsides will change. Isn't that right? So God changes you from the inside out. Realize what you do now as a Christian should always flow from who you are on the inside. Are you here this evening? What you do now as a Christian should always flow from who you are on the inside. Why? Because you're a new person now. You got a new heart. You got new desires because Jesus has come on the inside of you. I'm going to read you a couple snippets from a book here. Yes, I read books every once in a while. I just kind of skip over and read the last couple pages. But this is a book that I would recommend if you'd like to get it. It's called Stop Acting Like a Christian and Just Be One by Christine Kane. Hello, somebody. Okay, here's a couple things she said about what we were talking about, about Jesus came to change you from the inside out, and he cares about a heart transformation, not behavior modification. He's into you being a Christian, not doing Christianity. You still here? Did I, did I lose anybody? It says, if our goal is to truly be Christ-like, then we're not focusing on doing Christianity, but rather on being Christians. The natural byproduct is that we'll end up doing what Christians are supposed to do. This removes all the striving from our Christian journey because we no longer have to try to act like a Christian. We can simply just be one. Do you guys get anything from that? Let me read you one more part from here. You want me to read the whole thing again? Okay, I'll read it again. Bless Sister Mills. If our goal is to truly be Christ-like, then we're not focusing on doing Christianity, but rather on being Christians. The natural byproduct is that we'll end up doing what Christians are supposed to do. This removes all the striving from our Christian journey because we no longer have to try to act like a Christian. We can simply just be one. All right, let me read you one more thing real quick. The crucial component we need to understand is that imitating Christ begins with developing our strong spiritual core. If we simply try to imitate Christ's external behavior by being kind, compassionate, merciful, without strengthening our spiritual core, then we are at risk at missing out on the very process that makes us Christ-like. 
we will end up acting like a Christian sometimes, but truly not being a Christian at all times. Think about Jesus. His actions stem from who he was. The doing part flowed naturally from Jesus' being. This being stemmed from his spiritual core. In other words, Jesus did not try to act like anything he was not. Therefore, we are to be imitators of Christ. We need to stop trying to act like Christians, external actions. Instead, focus on being a Christian, internal transformation. When this becomes our focus, we will discover that it's not difficult to act like a Christian because we will simply be one, period. Did you guys get anything from that? All right. You guys still here? I didn't throw it over your head, did I? So, realize this. What you do flows from who you are. And we, we, saw, we see this in the Gospels. All the religious people of that day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those religious people, what did they do? They acted right in front of everybody, but they weren't right on the inside. And that doesn't please God. A lot of Christian people think, if I just act right on the outside, God's pleased. No, he's, he's pleased when he changes your heart. And that's why, he, why Jesus, he would go hard on the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious people of the day. And he said, outwardly, you do everything good, but your heart is far from me. Your heart is full of evil. It's full of lust. It's full of hate. It's full of all these things. And God is not pleased by your outward expressions. He's pleased when he changes your heart. But, you know, the same thing can happen to us all these years later that we just go through the motions and our heart has really not been changed. Isn't that true? Here's some things that people say, this is what makes me a Christian. I go to church. That does not make you a Christian. You know, there's people that go to church more than me and you and they're going to hell. Say it. I just said it. There's people that go to church more than me and you, and they're not saved. They're not a Christian, and they're not going to go to heaven. <laughs> I give to the needy or I give to the poor. A lot of people say, you know, that, that makes me and God tight. You know, God appreciates that, but that still doesn't make you right with him. Uh, my Facebook status says I'm a Christian. Some of you in here. If the only way they know you're a Christian is by your Facebook status, you're not a Christian. Let me say that. If the only reason that people know you're a Christian is you put it on Facebook or Twitter one day, you're not a Christian. You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. They will know we're Christians by our Facebook status. No. <laughs> i tell you what's hilarious. You know what's really funny? I'll tell you a story. Can I tell you a story real quick? We got time, don't we? Um, <laughs> this story just came to me. This will bless you. One time after service, a bunch of us went over to Outback. <laughs> Danielle knows where I'm going. Okay. We went to Outback, and there happened to be a member of our church that, uh, that worked at Outback, had a lot of friends at Outback, and went to a local public school. And... We had a person waiting on us that happened to know this other person that went to our church their whole life, grew up, me and this person were good friends. And when we got there, uh, they were talking, and there was probably 12, 15 of us there. So my friend that's sitting next to me is talking uh, to this young lady that's our waitress that he's been going to school with since he's been a child. And she said, oh, you know, where are you guys coming from? You know, what's been going on? Is there like basketball game, football game? And he said, no, we just came from church. And she said, oh, you just came from church. I never knew you went to church. I didn't even know you were a Christian. In front of all of us. And this girl had known him her whole life. And this person had grown up in our church. <laughs> And so we, we realized from that statement is the way they act at church is definitely not the same way they act at their school. <laughs> what they put on their Facebook for certain people is not the same way they live every day. And I remember it was, it was a hilarious moment. I, I lost it because I was sitting right next to that person, and that person was so busted. And they knew that everybody at the table just heard that. And as soon as it was done, they looked right at me, and I was just like, I don't know. That's hilarious. I don't know what to say. 
I can't say, I'm not going to say anything mean to you, but, I mean, that's, that's just funny. I mean, she just called you out in front of everybody. I mean, it's pathetic, but it's funny. But she said, oh, I never knew you went to church. I didn't know you were a Christian. And she had known him his whole life. And this guy had been at our church his whole life. What is that saying? That he was trying to act like a Christian. He really wasn't one. He had the external behavior down when he was at church, but his heart was really not transformed. God's not pleased with that. Here's one. I'm a moral person. Okay. I'm about to, I'm about to just say something that's going to just, just shock all you religious people. There's going to be people in heaven who smoke, drink, and cuss. And there's going to be people who went to hell and they're not saved, they're not a Christian, who didn't do any of those things. Okay? And so many Christian people, they don't get that. Well, it's not based on what you do. It's based on what God has done for you in Jesus and you accepting that. Now, if you're really changed from the inside out, you're not going to do those things. But realize the truth. There's going to be people that smoked, drank, slept around, did what they want, and they will make it to heaven. There's going to be people that didn't and put their faith in them not doing that to make them right with God, and they're going to go to hell. That's the truth. Religious people don't want to talk about that because they think, oh, if I say that, then people are going to go do that. No, if you really change on the inside out, your desire is not to do those things that are going to destroy your life. Okay, I'm a kind person. I'm a nice person. You know, there's going to be kinder, nicer people in hell than some of us in here. <laughs> you got to understand that. There is Buddhists and Muslims that are nicer than you. Okay? Especially some of those, you know, Gandhi-loving people. You know, they, they are very nice. They won't yell at you. They won't hit you. They won't fight back. And on, on the outside, they're so much nicer and kinder, but they're going to hell without Jesus. I didn't disturb anybody, did I, by some of these things I'm saying? Why, they, why do they think they're Christians? Because they're basing it all on their external behavior, not an internal change. But being a Christian is all about internal change and heart transformation, not behavior modification. It's who you are. It's not what you do. All right. You good? All right, number two. I told you some of these things are going to be really simple, really basic. Number two, well, how do I become a Christian? Well, let's look over first at Romans 3. Everybody feeling good? Nobody bored yet, are they? Bruce? You're good? All right. Man, that bass was awesome tonight. How about that bass amp he's got? Let's give it up for his bass amp. What that? It's awesome. It's awesome. Just bass solos all day long. I tell you what, though, if any of you, what did he say? What? That's all you heard? That's all you're supposed to hear. Um, I don't know if you were at any of the Dr. Dufresne morning meetings, but there was a guy who played bass one of those mornings who nailed it. Yeah. It wasn't you. It was me. But I'm saying I wish you were there to hear me. Did anybody hear me play bass on Thank You? He did. You, you heard it? You know that Brother Daryl song? I want to say thank you. Mm-mm-mm. Lord, I thank you. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I nailed it on the bass. Did anybody hear that? Like, no pressure. Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy right there, and I just nailed it on the bass like it wasn't nothing. I just, I just wanted to get some credit for that, that I played bass on that song, and nobody said a word. Come on, give it up. Nailed it. I had, I had to do it because Bishop, hey, Bishop loves... Bishop loves those Brother Daryl songs to play on his guitar. So I just, I saw it in his eyes. I'm like, Bishop, go play those chords over there. You don't have to play bass. I will take that position for you gladly today. So, well, that's the truth. And nobody else knows the chords but Bishop. So, 
we've gotten way off track several times, but you guys, you're getting anything so far yet. All right. Well, how do I become a Christian? This is a good question, all right? How do I become one? Uh, what do I, I chant something, or do I get baptized, or um, what do I do? I need to beat myself or crucify myself in my front lawn? What do I do to become a Christian? Um, is it how much money I give, and then once I get over a certain amount, I get into heaven? But if I'm not there, then somebody else has to, you know, just like deposit money in my heavenly account so I can make it up there? We need to know the answer to that question because a lot of people have goofy ideas. How do you become a Christian? Realize this that God is not trying to make it complicated for people to be saved. Okay, that's why what I'm about to share with you is very simple, very basic, but a lot of people miss it. They're like, no, that's too easy. No, what do I, what do I got to do, though? Like, that's too simple. It can't be just that easy that I accept Jesus and ask him into my heart, and I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm one of his, you know, I'm, I'm a God's child now, it can't be that easy, it is that easy, that's why a lot of people don't get it, but God is not trying to keep people out of his family, that's why he made it so easy, hello somebody, he's not trying to make it complicated and hard so people cannot be a part of his family, no, when he wanted to save people, he wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to get into his family, so first of all, in Romans 3, you guys there? 23, it said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Or they fall short of God's glorious standard. First of all, the first step, really, in you becoming a Christian is you got to realize you're a sinner. Okay? First step. I told you this is really basic, really simple. First step to you becoming a Christian. I know a lot of you are already Christians, but let me go over some basics for you in case you didn't know. Is, like it says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Not just a certain group of people. No, everyone on the planet has sinned and are sinners and they need a Savior. So first of all, you need to come to the realization that you are a sinner. Can I get amen, Baptist grunt, anything? Okay. Because how many know there's no need for a Savior unless you admit that you're a sinner? Okay. So we have to get there first before we get Jesus to come into your life. Because there's no reason for him to come in if you think you're okay. If, if you could have done it by yourself, there would have been no reason for Jesus to come and die. How many know that? If your lack of smoking, drinking, and cussing could get you into heaven, Jesus would not have to come. If your morality and your good person and your church attendance could get you into heaven, then Jesus would not have to come, correct? So first of all, you need to admit you're a sinner and you're born in sin. Everybody's in the same boat, so don't feel bad about it. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody is born in sin because of Adam, and they're born sinners. And notice who they are is a sinner, and what they do is sin. So, first of all, you need to realize you're a sinner. And we all have that internal, really, conscience that tells us that we are, that tells us that we do wrong. God put that in us. But then, too, by people preaching and showing us God's standard, we realize that we're not up to that standard and that we are a sinner. Isn't that right? So, first of all, we've got to realize we are a sinner. Second of all, we need to realize we can't save ourselves. Isn't that true? We can't save, our, save ourselves, and we are in need of a Savior. So don't, don't get stuck on the sinner part. Go on to, I can't save myself. I need a Savior, and there is a Savior, thank God. Some, some people just stay in the, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a low life. You know, move on with your life. There's a Savior. And you can be a new person. You don't have to stay a sinner the rest of your life. You can be a saint. You can be righteous. You can be holy. But it only happens if you accept the Savior, which is Jesus. Let's turn over to Ephesians 2. Is this too basic for you this evening? You need to know this. 
You need to know what you believe, but why do you believe it? And I wanted to go over this too because, you know, a lot of us have grown up in church and we got saved when we were such at such a young age. You know, we meant it. You know, we were saved, but we didn't really realize everything that happened when we got saved. Correct. Right. I was young too when I got saved. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't real because it was real, but how many know when you're younger, you don't really realize the significance of I'm a sinner when you're a little kid? You know you're wrong, <laughs> but you really don't know how, you, how wrong you are until you get older, that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. So, Ephesians 2 and verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Notice, not of yourselves. Why? Because you can't save yourself. It is the gift of God. So realize, you are a sinner. You can't save yourself. You need a Savior. That's why God sent His Son. And that is grace. That's why He says you are saved by grace. Notice, through faith. Faith is your side, but grace is God's side. Faith is accepting what Jesus has done for you. Faith is trusting in what Jesus has done for you. So grace is God's side, but faith is your side because God's not going to make you be saved if you don't want to receive it. He extends His grace to us, but our side is to put our faith and trust in Him. That's how we receive salvation. Isn't that right? And notice this, all your good works cannot save you. It says here in Ephesians 2.8 that it is the gift of God. Notice, salvation is a gift. What is a gift? A gift cannot be earned. It can only be received. Are you hearing me in this Methodist Church of God in Christ church this evening? Notice, salvation, it's a gift. Notice, a gift of God, not of yourself, because you can't do anything. Salvation has been a gift given to you, and you can't earn your salvation you can only receive your salvation. Understand that, young people. I wrote this down because this is why a lot of Christians are struggling. A lot of Christians are, are in uh, legalism. A lot of Christians are having no fun because they're still trying to earn something that God has given them freely. Are you hearing me this evening? I've been there before. Growing up in church, you really don't understand. The f- and you're trying to earn something that God already gave you freely. It's a gift. It can't be earned. It can only be received. So I want to say this to a lot of you that are, are, have been struggling and you're always trying to please God and do things for God and you're always going from one situation to another and you're emo believer because you're basing your relationship on God on how good you were that week. Realize you can only receive grace. You can't earn grace. You only receive a gift you can't earn a gift. And salvation is a gift given freely. Stop trying to earn something that God has given you freely. And then you'll start really enjoying your life. Hello. You really start enjoying this Christian abundant life that God has given you when you stop trying to earn stuff and just receive what God has already given you freely. Why? Because he's given everything you have in redemption freely. All he asks for you, from you is your faith and trust in him to receive it. You guys hear? Romans 10. Romans 10. You guys are getting the full gospel this evening. I'm going over the basics, simplicity of the gospel. You guys getting something? Before we read this verse, let me say something. So we realize... God's side is grace and our side to receive it is faith and that's how we get saved but how do we demonstrate our faith or how do we really put our faith in what Jesus has done to actually receive salvation into our lives it's very simple that's why I said some people miss it because it's that simple and we're going to read it in a second here but before I read that realize this So, the reason your good works cannot save you 
You want to know why? Okay. It says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. So, we don't realize that God's glorious standard is not good. God's glorious standard is perfect. That's why we'll never be good enough to earn God's favor and salvation. That's why your good works are not good enough because if good works were the standard that God was putting, then maybe some of us would make it and some of us wouldn't. But God's standard is perfect. That's why we all miss it. All of us, even the best of us in here, miss it because we're not perfect. That's why God had to send His Son who was perfect. Because none of us could ever be perfect. That's why your good works save you. Because why? The bar was set by God, and it's not good. It's perfect. And the only one that can meet God's standard is God himself. That's why God had to send his son, who was and is perfect, to get in our place and take our place in the sin that we did so we can be right with God. You guys receive that this evening? I just wanted to just explain that why, because so many people struggle with that. Well, why can't my good works? Because that's not the standard. Perfection is the standard. And we can all agree that we're not perfect, right? So Romans 10, verse 8, says, What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. And notice it says, That is the word of faith that we preach. In verse 9, notice this, That if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved in verse 10 notice for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation in verse 11 for the scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame so if you say you got faith and what God has done for you and what Jesus has done for you then you're going to accept it and notice it's going to be in two places it's going to be in your heart and it's going to be in your mouth that's what some people miss it's so simple all you have to do it says it's this easy you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth what do you believe in your heart and what do you confess with your mouth that Jesus died in your place, that he took your place, and you receive what he's done for you. You accept it. You ask God to make you a new person, and he'll come on the inside of you and change you. And notice it says, and you are saved. It's that easy. That's why when we give altar calls, we tell people to say this prayer after us, because why? You need to believe it in your heart, but you need to confess it out your mouth. It's not good enough. You just believe it in your heart. You need to confess it out of your mouth, and that is what brings salvation to you. It's that easy. All you have to do is believe it and confess it and receive it. That's it. And say, God, I want this. And notice, he's not trying to keep people out. It's that easy. He's not trying to make it hard. When you say that prayer and you mean it with all your heart, God comes on the inside of you. He changes you and you are saved. Can I get amen? It's that easy. Number three, last point, real quick here. John 1. John 1. I know we're getting back to the basics this evening. John 1. And we're going to read in verse 11 in a second. But the last thing I want to say as we're coming to a close is that I know we're talking about what is a Christian but like I said don't get caught up on the term Christian because God's not caught up in that term and I wrote down here that don't get caught up on terms like that because the reason we have terminology like that is because everybody wants to lump Christians in with every other world religion so we have to have a name for us like Buddhist or Muslims or whatever that's what, it's not important what they call you. It's important that you believe in Jesus and they've accepted him. It's not important the name. But like I said, people, people have coined names like Christians, like followers of Jesus, because that's a way to describe us. 
But that's, God's not caught up in that terminology. What he wants from you is that you accept his son. But really, there's a bigger issue. He's, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to just, you know, be another Messiah or prophet. He came to bring us life. He came to reconcile us to God, not just start a new religion. Okay? You got to realize that. He wasn't some cult leader just trying to start another religion, another way for people to live. But I put this down here. Jesus didn't come to make you a Christian. He came to make you God's child. You can write that down. Jesus didn't come to make you a Christian. He came to make you God's child. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He, he doesn't have anything against the term Christian, I said, but his ultimate purpose was not that he, we just go around and we're religious and we're just we're known by a Christian, but we're just the same. No, he came to bring us back to God and to make us God's children once again. So don't get hung up on that terminology, Christian. Really, ultimately, he came to make you God's child. So in John 1, in verse 12, or verse 11, he came to his own, is speaking of Jesus, and his own did not receive him. In verse 12, but as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In verse 14, and the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. But notice that, but as many who has received Jesus, if you receive Jesus, which we just talked about that, he has given you the right or ability or power to become the children of God. So Jesus' ultimate purpose in coming is not to make you a Christian, is to make you God's child. And how many know because we're sinners, we've been separated from God. And it says in the Gospels, Jesus called the Pharisees and religious people of the day, he called them of their father, the devil. I know it's hard for some of you to take, but if you have not accepted Jesus, your father is the devil, not God. And you are his child, not God's child. Not everybody in the planet is God's child. That, that, that ain't the truth. Unless you accepted Jesus, you're not God's child. That's the truth. That's what the Word says. So realize this. He didn't come to make us a Christian. He came to bring us back into relationship with, with our Father God as His children. He came to reconcile us and God together. Does anybody got an Amplified Bible? Anybody? Anybody? Are you in the right place? Oh, it's my dad's Bible. It's got the anointing on it. John 1. Let me see here in verse. Starting verse 11. Let me read it from the Amplified. He came to that which belonged to him, to his own, his own domain, that they who were his own did not receive him and did not welcome him. And notice this in verse 12. Speaking of Jesus, but to as many as did receive and welcome him. He gave the authority, the power, the privilege. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Jesus gave the authority, the power, the privilege, and the right to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in Jesus, adhere to him, trust him, and rely on his name. Can I get an amen? amen? So notice God sent his son Jesus not to just make us another world religion. That's what the world wants to glump us in together, like all roads lead to God. No, all roads do not lead to God. There is one road that leads to God, and that is through his son Jesus. Jesus said he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. There is only one path to God, and that is through his son Jesus. So don't be fooled by other religions trying to glump us all together like we're all the same. We're all eventually going to get to the same place. No, we're not. There is one Savior, and there is one way, and that is through Jesus. 
I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, there's a thousand roads that lead to the wilderness, but there's one road that leads home. Hello, somebody. And all those world religions are those thousand roads that lead to nowhere. But there's one road that leads back to the Father's house, and that's through Jesus. So notice, Jesus, Jesus came. He reconciled us back to God, and now we are God's children. We're not servants. We're not slaves, but we're sons and daughters of God now because of what Jesus has done. Can I get amen? Would you guys get anything tonight from the Word of God? Would you enjoy the first night back at the quarry? Do you guys enjoy yourself? And next week we're going to talk about some more things, but I just wanted to go over some basic stuff tonight on what is a Christian. Stop acting like one. Just be one. Well, let me pray for you this evening.